be pleased. Don't, don't be afraid to jump up and open a window to get some fresh air flowing by you if you would like to. So uh, as we begin this morning, I just want to pass on and share my apologies to you. I said last week that we would be continuing our journey through Luke. That won't be the case today. We'll pick that up next week. Instead, I'd like to speak into an area that has really been on my heart recently and been brought to the forefront of my mind uh, during a conversation that I had with a, with a dear friend of mine this week. This is very, it's a simple message. I'm not going to go too deep. There's not going to be a deep ex- exposition. It's a simple message, but I believe that it's a message that we need to hear, and I'm, I believe it's a message God placed on my heart to share with you. And this message is simply called, Everyone Needs a Friend. Everybody needs a friend. And the Bible passage is a one that many of us in this room know well, and it's found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, first 12 verses. So if, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me as we open and read God's Word together. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they carried... Uh, sorry, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your beds and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Heavenly Father, it's a real privilege for us to be able to freely open your word together this morning. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your care, your love, your compassion for us all. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you give us all ears to hear and hearts to receive 
what you need to speak to us about. In Jesus' name, amen. If I were to ask you, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? I wonder how would, or what you would say to me and how you would reply. Would you say, everything's well, everything's perfect, I've got no problems, I'm on top of the world? Or would you reply, I'm okay, but, but, before going on to share your concerns, your worries, your stresses, and your obstacles with me. I wonder what those concerns and stresses and worries would be. Maybe it would revolve around the COVID virus that is still an ever-present challenge for us. Maybe you would share frustrations around the challenges that we have in our society still, such as racism, and uh, equality in the workplace? Could it be that you would share your concerns with the challenges around gender identity and same-sex, same-sex attraction? Would you share with me that you yourself are struggling in this area? Maybe would I hear what I would hear is how worried you are about the effects of the war in Ukraine and your concerns about the tension between the East and the West, which is just all around us in every tabloid and social media outlet. Or the turmoil in our government, which has left this looming situation of a possible recession with rising utility costs, rising food costs, and rising mortgage costs, you may turn to me and say, Craig, home life just really isn't good for me right now. This sickness that I have is just, is just getting me down. I'm dealing with pressure and stress at work and I'm just feeling the effects. I'm struggling at school, I'm struggling at college, I'm struggling at uni. You may say, Craig, if I'm being honest with you, I'm struggling with feeling lonely, with feeling isolated. I just feel no one understands and I just don't know who to turn to. I would suggest to you this morning that there isn't one person in this room who doesn't in some way feel the effects of life around them. Just like everyone on your street who lives next to you, just like every person in this town and in this country. The very sad and true reality is that all of these situations and many others can affect people's mental health, affect people's well-being, with many spiralling into such things as depression and anxiety. 
and if not supported, can subsequently lead to the most tragic of situations such as self-harm and, God forbid, suicide. 2,000 years ago, Jesus had returned to his hometown in Capernaum after travelling and preaching and healing people all over the region of Galilee. It sounds as if Jesus was able to get a few days to himself, as in verse 1 of our passage, we are told that when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was home. Even Jesus needs to rest, doesn't he? Even Jesus needs a rest. But that rest wasn't going to last. For we are told in verse 2 that many were gathered so that there was no more room not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them, as he often did. Jesus' peace was disturbed by people who had heard that he had returned home, so they rushed to where he was to see him, to hear him, maybe even to see if they could be healed by him. And Jesus, being Jesus, opened the door and allowed people in until the room was at capacity, spilling back out through the front door. Jesus, seeing the lost sheep before him, began preaching the word, revealing the truth of scripture to all those within earshot. But as this was happening, a group of men tried to access where Jesus was, but they couldn't get close. Then all of a sudden, Jesus' preaching was disturbed by this commotion. Debris started falling from the roof above him on top of the heads of everyone that was in the room. This hole appears above them, quite probably exposing this beam of sunlight that's coming through the hole. And before everyone's eyes, this stretcher gets lowered down with a man who was a paralytic lowered to the floor. You can imagine the commotion from the crowd watching, can't you? As they're probably coughing with all the dust that's been kicked up with this roof that's been caved in. I'm sure some of them were yelling at the men on the roof. What do you think you're doing? And there's probably one person in the background that stood there and said, call direct line. We need to make a claim. (laughs) Well, he would do today, wouldn't we? But Jesus, I love these moments in Scripture. I love these moments in the Gospels when it says, but Jesus, you know something profound is about to happen. But Jesus... He doesn't reprimand them or complain about them ripping a hole in in the roof above them. We are simply told, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Amen indeed. Amen indeed. This event is one of only... Two times that Jesus says, your sins are forgiven before he went to the cross. 
the other being a sin, the sinful woman who came before Jesus broken and in need of forgiveness. The woman who wiped her tears of Jesus' feet with her hair and anointed his feet with the oil from the alabaster jar. We looked at this a few months ago back in Luke 7. And what did Jesus say to her? Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She placed her faith in Jesus. She believed he was who, she, who he said he was and she had faith that he could do what he said he could do and would do. Here in this moment, in this house, with the paralytic before Jesus, we see this same miracle. Son, your sins are forgiven. And then we read later on in our, in our story today that Jesus turns to him and says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed and went out before them. What a moment. What a moment. What a remarkable witness to the power that Jesus has then and still has now. But I want to draw our attention to the four friends who brought Jesus, uh, sorry, who brought the paralytic man to Jesus. Truth is, we know nothing about these men, who they are, what their relationship to the paralytic man was, but they obviously cared for the man and believed in their heart that if they could just get him to Jesus, then Jesus could and would help. They were prepared to go out of their way to help a desperate man in a desperate situation, believed Jesus was who people around them had said he was and had faith that he would do what they believed he could do. And their faith in Jesus was rewarded. Remember, it wasn't just the paralytic's, man, the, the paralytic's man's faith that was at work here. Jesus saw their faith, plural. Look at the passage. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. An amazing end to the story, I'm sure you would agree, but it could have been so different if the paralytic man had had no faithful friends to help get him there. Church, all around us, people are going through tough situations, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. And many don't have anyone anyone around them to help them or support them. No one to call upon or speak to when the going is tough or to celebrate when it's a good day, when they're feeling in a good place. 
Now, there are many good people in Whitney and many organisations who want to help. And I just want to take a brief moment to celebrate and honour all the counsellors in, in, in here. Because there are people who practice professionally counselling and we have our own counselling service at the church. These guys and girls need our prayer because it is tough for them at the minute. There is a lot of need. And they do a remarkable job at helping people to, to see life's beauty once again. Please pray for them, because they need it. And yeah, as I said, there are many organisations in, in Whitney and surrounding areas that are there to help people. But the reality is there are too many people that live in and around our town that actually don't necessarily care what others are going through. Many people have been hurt by friends who have let them down and now struggle to trust and open up about how they are feeling with their struggles. You could say they have no one to help them be carried to Jesus. Friends, I believe the church of Jesus Christ can help. I believe the church can by being a people who practice genuine friendship. Genuine friendship, both inside the church and also to the world that the Lord has, or the, the town that this, the Lord has placed us in. If we can show the world what true friendship looks like, then surely it will only ever support the hope and truth of the gospel message that we profess and share. And, our, and, and in our sincerity to see the sinner saved, the lost found, and the hearts of those people restored. Would you agree? I hope you would agree. But for this to happen, the church must first model what genuine friendship looks like amongst ourselves, within the body. So just as Jesus always done, he sets the standard for everything we do as Christians. So what does Jesus say? What is the standard that Jesus professes to us? Well, John 15 gives us an answer which says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down their life for the sake of his friends. Jesus literally laid down his life for, the, for his friends and he did so because of love and to provide for them a way to avoid the coming righteous judgment of God. And what's amazing is he didn't just do it for them, but he did it for us as well. This was the primary reason, not the only, but the primary reason that Jesus came to the earth. Mankind lives in this 
rebellious nature toward God, their creator, and this rebellion has consequences. Every person will stand before God one day and will be judged for the choices they have made in life, and not one of us can avoid it. No one in Whitney can avoid it. But Jesus came, stood in our, in our place. He stepped in on our behalf and said, Father, I will pay their debt. And he went to that cross and took upon himself the full penalty of mankind's rebellion and sin. That's your sin and that is my sin. Jesus absorbed the Father's wrath against our sin and satisfied it in full so that, as we read, we read in John, whoever believes in him should not perish, but instead enjoy the Father's favour forever. That's an amen moment. That's something that we should be joyful about. We sit here today saved if we believe through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. That is something we should be excited about. I am a son of the living God. You are a daughter of the living God. I am saved because of what Jesus did for me. That is hallelujah moments. We should be jumping for joy, throwing our hands in the air and saying, praise God. Jesus offered himself as the final, once-for-all, substitutionary sacrifice for the, in the place of sinners. That is ultimate love. That is ultimate friendship. Friendship to the sinner. Now, Jesus isn't necessarily asking you to lay down your physical life for your friend, though he could do. It's about placing others higher than yourself, not devaluing who you are, but having that servant heart toward helping others. How many are you? How many of you are willing to lose your life for the person sitting to your left and sitting to your right? I'm not asking for responses. <laughs> How many of you know what struggles the person sitting to your left and sitting to your right is currently going through? How many of you know that? How many of you are willing to walk with them on whatever that road is they're walking on, whatever the consequence to you and your life? Friends, the truth is that in every church, every church, as I'm sure it is here at Welcome, there are people struggling with various challenges. People who are just finding life tough. People who just need a friend. I thank the Lord for Welcome. We have such an amazing body of people here. No, we're not perfect. We've got a great prayer team. We've got a great pastoral care team. Our ministries keep an eye out for each other. 
Are there things we could do better? Of course there is. That's just life. But I praise God for this, this, this family, this group of people. Amen indeed. But I just want to encourage us this morning, as we do life together, let us always be on our guard. Ready and willing to watch out for each other. Ready to ask how someone is doing and ensure that we are being open and inclusive when spending time together. Because if we don't, we run the risk of somebody being left out, of somebody being left behind. And that is not what we want, but it's a real reality. Part of our culture at Welcome is and must continue to be that everyone in this church will have a safe place to come, a welcoming home and friends that they can walk through life with. Amen. Amen. But what then? Well, we continue to practice this genuine friendship to people who need outside the church. Being a friend to our neighbour who is lonely and needs company. Being a friend to our work colleague who is worried about their, their rising mortgage costs, paying their bills, putting food on the table for their children. Being a friend to the person at school or college who may be struggling with their own identity. And even being a friend to people who you struggle to be around but who are going through a tough time. One of the greatest stories in the Bible of someone helping another in need and being a friend is the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, the Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't get on. They didn't get on at all. But when the Jew was beaten and left to die on the side of the road and both a Jewish priest and a Levite both ignored the dying man and walked by. It was the Samaritan who took pity on the man, who bandaged his wounds, who took him to the inn and also paid his full board. Wow. What an example to follow. We must be willing to help and be a friend to people wherever they are however bad or good they are, whether we get on well with them or not, and whether they deserve it or not. Jesus, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, and that they may see Jesus working through you, not judging them, not wagging your finger at them, but genuinely being a friend and loving on them and helping them wherever they may be in whatever situation. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Who do you know that needs a friend? Who do you know that you can be a friend to someone you can help in their difficulty and celebrate in their success, someone 
in whom you can share Jesus with and the truth of his life-transforming gospel. Because I'll tell you the truth, church, if you just open your eyes, you will find someone very, very quickly. Because they are all around us. I spoke at the beginning that I, I, uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine this week. Now, I won't, I won't mention this, this person's name. We'll just call him Bob, shall we? Just to give him a name. But I've known Bob for probably five years now. And I first met him. Uh, he, he came into our church back in Gravesend. And uh, I met him there. And he was recently married. Uh, with a child on the way. But over time, he felt that he could open up and just tell me a bit about his life story. And it turns out he'd spent quite a few years in prison. Um, well, anyway, we started to... Uh, he came onto the team that I was, I was looking at, uh, sort of leading at the time. And we got him involved. And one thing led to another, and it just spiralled... His life spiralled out of control... Um, his wife ended up moving back abroad to where she, she uh, originally was from. Um, he hadn't, she had their child over there. This sent him, uh, this and the other situation sent him into a spiral. And the truth was that he found uh, the taste of alcohol again. He found a supplier who would give him cocaine. He... Uh, found the enjoyment in prostitution. And it was a roller coaster of a ride with him. He didn't have very many friends, was quite lonely, which is part of the reason why he took drugs. Anyone that spent any time with homeless or anyone like that, you'll know a lot of the reason that they take drugs and drug is escapism, because the reality around them is just too much to handle. He was in a similar situation. I then get a phone call, probably a couple of years after we'd been going up and down this roller coaster to say that he had been arrested again and he was back in prison. Or he would be going back to prison because he'd broken his parole. I mean, this man was, was in a mess, absolute mess. And he had very, there was, there was probably two or three of us that kept trying to pick him up, carry him on, tell him it's going to be okay, share Jesus with him, which praise God he responded to. And he was in prison. I went to visit him on the Isle of Sheppey, for anyone who knows where the, where the Isle of Sheppey is. He was in prison on the Isle of Sheppey and I went to visit him actually about eight months ago. And I prayed with him in the, in, in, in the prison. And he was just as low as any person could get. And he started to go and see the chaplain. He started to go and see the, speak to him about life. And I'd speak to him at certain times in the week when he was able to make phone calls. And praise God, he gave his heart to Jesus. But that didn't mean that his life got better. <laughs> Not straight away. It meant that he knew there was more, that there was a hope that he could cling to. But it still, his life went through this, this murky water. He came out of prison he was in assisted living for six weeks, didn't have anywhere else to go. We managed to organise rented accommodation up in Liverpool, got him moved to Liverpool, uh, got him into the house, 
tried to get him some support, spoke with a pastor up there to try and get him around so he's got some sort of community and he just kept pushing people away because he couldn't face the reality that he had to deal with the, with the demons in his life. One particular day, one particular day I, I called him and he was in a very, very, very dark place and he kept saying to me, Craig, I mean, he, I knew he was on drink, drink and drugs. He's, 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 he was slurring. He just couldn't, he couldn't put a word together. And I kept saying, Keith, I'm going to call the ambulance. I'm going to call the ambulance. Don't call the ambulance. You're through this muffled voice. I will not open the door. Anyway, I said to him, right, I'm going to give you one hour. I said, I said, get some sleep. In an hour's time, set your alarm. If I don't hear from you in an hour, I will call the police and I'll call the ambulance. He said, I won't, I'm not going to answer the door. He wanted to die. He made it very, very clear. Well, anyway, an hour went by. Could I get hold of him? No. Another 10 minutes went by. Couldn't get hold of him. This went on for another 40 minutes. I thought, I can't do any more. So I'm going to call the police, call the ambulance. They went round, found him completely sparko on the floor. He had taken all of his medication. He'd knocked a bottle of scotch down because he wanted to end it. Well, praise God, he came through of that situation. But this last week, I called him, because I hadn't spoken to him for two or three weeks, and he was really, really low again. I said to him, hey, hey how are you doing, Bob? He went, to be honest with you, Craig, he said, I'm, I've just come back out of, of uh, hospital. He said, I'm really angry that with, the, with the hospital staff. I said, Why, what's happened? Why are you angry with hospital staff? He said, Craig, I'm done. I, I just, I've got, I cannot live in this world. There's too much pain, too much hurt, and I, I want to end it. He said, and when they brought me through, he said, I don't remember any of it. He said, all I remember is waking up in the hospital and, the, and the, the, the doctor turning around to me and saying, and this is what caught me. He said, the doctor said to me, welcome back, Bob, you're, you're, you're safe. And he said, I turned round to that doctor and he said, but I didn't want to come back. He said, I was angry with them. And then he said this, but God doesn't want me to go. He said, and I know it in my heart, he doesn't want me to go, but I keep trying to end it. And I was like, praise God, <laughs> in that moment. And we were on the phone for probably an hour and a half, something like that, and we've, we've, I've managed to connect him up with rehabs and these types of places. But why do I tell you that? I tell you that not because I'm, any, I'm doing anything more than anyone else, because I'm sure there are many in this room who help and support people and have done in the past. But everyone needs a friend. Keith does not have any other friends bar me and maybe one other up there who is helping him more with practical things. Everyone needs a friend. If I wasn't there, if I wasn't going out of my way, and Kelly will tell you sometimes it's, it's hard work, but if I'm not going out of my way to help him, only the Lord knows what would have happened months and months ago. Because I do not think, and we spoke about this on Friday night, me and Kelly, I do not think he would have been here. And there is still a part of me that prays, Lord, you need to keep close because I fear 
that one day I will get a phone call. But there are people like Bob all over the place. Maybe not that extreme, but there are people who are anxious, who are stressed, who are worried, who are... They just don't have anybody and they just need a friend. And I believe the Church of Jesus Christ can do that. We don't have to be a friend to all people. We can't. But if God placed someone in your path, be a friend. We'll have to bring this to a close. I'm going to send an email out to the church uh, this week about two initiatives. First is the gifted I mentioned last week. The second, the bank can come up, please, by the way. Uh, the second is about uh, another local outreach um, initiative that we're doing called Thrive. And ultimately, Thrive, um, Thrive's purpose is to provide a welcoming safe... I'm reading you our blurb here. Provide a welcoming and safe space for all, particularly those struggling with loneliness, anxiety and depression. And through regular activities, we hope to share with those people, there it is on the screen, support and the love of our Christian family. So what it, that's what we're trying to do here. If you want to know the struggles in Whitney, just jump on, just Google onto a search engine and Google the most recent census for Whitney and you will see the struggles in Whitney. Now we're not trying to rewrite the book because there are some brilliant organisations local to us but we want to partner with them and provide opportunities for people who are lonely, who, are, who just need some fellowship, who just need someone to talk, to come along to these, some of these things that we've already started. The games night is this week, on Tuesday. Come along if you want to. Come play some board games, come and chat, come and just hang out, drink tea and coffee. If you know someone who could benefit, bring them along. Bring them along. Luke's going to be organising some Saturday walks. Same thing. Who do you know in your world that could just do with some fellowship? Bring them along. Who's lonely and depressed and anxious in your world outside here? Invite them along. Let them see that there are people who care, who love them, and who want to support them. And the ultimate heart behind all of this? Well, we're Christians. Our ultimate heart is to share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ to these people because he is the only one that can transform hearts. Watch out for each other in here. Watch out for each other. No one gets left behind for those of our members who are at the meeting on Thursday. If you see someone after the service standing by themselves, go and speak to them. Just ask their name. How are you? And let us love each other so that we can then be effective in the world around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you want to know more about the Games Night on Thursday, just jump on the website. The info is on there. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that we live in such a broken world. We know, Lord, that there are many people who just do not know where to turn, who to turn to, who to speak to. And we recognise, Lord, that there are so many people who just need a friend.
And what better friend to have than a Christian friend who can not only help them with their practical and emotional support, may not be able to help them professionally, but we can point them to people who can do that. But one thing we do have, Lord, uh, is the life-transforming message of your gospel, and we can point them to you, you who can transform hearts. So, Lord, I thank you for this time we've had together. I pray that you help us to ponder over this this coming week. We pray for Thrive, we pray for Gifted, and we pray that, Lord, you open doors for us to be able to bless not only people in our own church, but people in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.